It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think it's wonderful that children have all these choices. I wish we had had all those choices. Free play is the heart and soul of a free society. What if we had a show about solutions? Not the same old left versus right. I am right, right. and you are wrong. You're Boring. <laughs> yeah, something new. Yeah, something new. How to make the world a better place. Yeah. How, How do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Today, Jim, we're talking about toys, kids, and the play deficit. The play deficit. I'm really interested in this question whether we're programming the free play out of kids' lives. Kids are constantly in lessons, and they're so organized. And, I, and I'm wondering if that over-organization is even starting to apply to the toys that are being manufactured. Yeah, and we're doing this show at the start of the holiday shopping season. Thanks in part to Star Wars and Frozen, both movie franchises, the toy industry may have its best year in a decade. So here's, here's a question I'm interested in. These toys, are they scripting the kids' play? Are they sort of forcing kids into a pre-written narrative, or do they allow for the kind of open-ended play that we think childhood is really yeah, about? Yeah, the inventive stuff. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies with Miranda Schaefer, our producer in the studio, and our guest today is toy industry consultant Richard Gottlieb of Global Toy Experts. Joining us via Skype, and it's a bit of a bumpy Skype line in places, talking about some great ideas about, about the toy industry and some thoughts about what we can learn as we approach the holiday shopping season. Richard, you've been a uh, consultant and observer um, of, about the toy industry for, for quite a few years. What do we need to know, those of us who aren't in the active toy buying market or whether we are or not, what, what's happening out there? What are the big trends you're seeing uh, this year and over the last couple of years? Well, I, I think that, uh, first of all, I want to tell you it's very nice to be uh, with you guys today and uh, maybe hopefully help you solve it. Um, the toy industry has, as a, a 19th century industry, trying hard to break into the 21st. And uh, had, I think, a lot of difficulty dealing with the, the digital uh, aspect of play that's become so popular. And uh, things like video games and now apps and social networking and, and so many other ways to play have really confronted the industry with almost an existential crisis. Who are we? What is a toy and how do we play? So, so what you're saying is the toy industry, which originally was like, you know, 
physical things, blocks and dolls and, and construction sets and craft kits, that it was forced to change by the technological revolution around it. Well, when you think about it, you know, we're, all of us uh, fall into, I think, one of three categories, and that's your digital native, and that's under like maybe 22, 23. Uh, you're a digital immigrant uh, like me, and, and you speak with an accent, uh, yeah, or you never me. made the trip. And you stayed back in the old uh, analog world. And I think what happens is when you have companies that are led by people who've never made the trip, it's very hard to grasp the fact that, that we've almost had an evolutionary change in children. They, they don't see a bright line between what's virtual, what's digital, and what's real. I like to tell people, you know, you see a kid sitting in a restaurant with his family and he's head is stuck inside of his cell phone playing a, a game and you think oh, what a crappy kid <laughs> uh, but the reality is is he feels like his family's in there with him he, he doesn't feel like he's in a different space so, so so the way that we adults view it especially people maybe who are technologically challenged and how that child is seeing it is very different mm -hmm. i started my career three decades ago covering the technology industry, including toys. And I can remember early examples of some pretty sophisticated electronic toys, even a, a little video camera for kids that came out in the 80s. And it seemed like back then they were really trying to make sure that they exploited some of the new technologies. But you feel like they've never quite figured out how to bridge that gap? A lot of folks who are in the toy industry really think they just compete with other people in the toy industry and, and the competition is for space on a store shelf. But today, anybody who sells play, the tools of play, uh, competes with everybody else who does, whether they're in the amusement park business, uh, video games, apps, whatever it is. And the fight is no longer for space on a shelf, but for time in a kid's head. Mm -hmm. And And so what's happened was that Yes, they created things like the video cameras, but because they could see that as a toy. But where the struggle was is they didn't think of video games or, or any of these other aspects of play as really being competition. Right. They saw that as a different business. And, you know, well, you, you mentioned this phenomenon of being in a restaurant and seeing a kid with his eyes on his phone. Or I see very, very young kids. Mom hands over the iPad, and there's a bunch of games on there. And now that you mention it, those games, those apps weren't created by toy companies. They were created by people outside of the traditional toy industry. And, and, it, and it's, it's not that the toy industry didn't try. They created things like accessories. Uh, anytime you make up a word like accessories, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And that, that was an attempt to kind of say, okay, well, here's a toy, and we'll give you some way to play digitally too. But they weren't connected. They weren't integrated into each other. It does, I want to be very clear, it doesn't mean kids won't still play with blocks, you know, or with a Lego set or, or with a doll. It, it doesn't mean that. But it, it does mean that um, to continue to be viable, there has to be a connection with how children actually engage the world and how the world engages them. Well, do you think that the, the toy industry now is misnamed should we be calling these things the play industry instead now, of the That's what toy I industry. like to call it. We actually have a, held a couple conferences called the World Congress of Play, 
and the idea was to bring all these people together in one place who came who didn't know each other who are these people yeah as a matter of fact we we told them we wanted to get them all drunk and have weird babies (laughs) (laughs) but no who are these people i mean are they people from the video gaming industry from from movies from the toy industry as well yeah, we had uh, theme park people there. We, you know, folks from Six Flags. We had a, um, we had robotics people, artificial intelligence, and they just were so excited to meet each other. Now you mentioned that you feel like some of the toy makers are finally starting to bridge that divide for that seamlessly connected play that might have a physical element and a virtual element. I'm having trouble picturing what you're talking about. Can you give us some examples of some of the exciting new toys sure. that are out there? Well. Uh, the Disney company jumped in with a product line called Disney Infinity. And this was a huge breakthrough on a number of levels because Disney actually uh, allowed people to say, if you had Mickey Mouse, you could take Mickey and engage characters from Star Wars online or, or any other Disney property. They've never allowed that before. So it really got kind of crazy and fun. And uh, now Lego has their own version in which uh, you can put up, I think, up to eight characters on the platform and they will appear on the screen. And what sort of play does that bring out? Because I'm sure that some people are going, well, yeah, okay, that's good for their commercial properties. But what does it do in terms of encouraging play? How does a child interact with that? They demonstrated the Lego product to me. And I'm I'm trying to remember now, but I think I was um, Batman. And I was in Oz. And here comes the down to the yellow brick road, uh, the Tin Wizard, Dorothy, and the Scarecrow. And so I can do different kind of activities with them. Are you concerned, Richard, about toys that have scripted content, that instruct a child how to play, rather than just being completely open-ended, like, say, blocks or basic construction toys? Uh, first of all, I'm agnostic on all forms of play. I, I like to tell people that, you know, in the mid-19th century, when the novel first became popular, parents freaked out. <laughs> I don't know that they used the term freaked out in the mid-19th century, but they, they did whatever the 19th they, they century They got the vapors. Was. They got the vapors because their kids were, as they saw it, becoming antisocial. They didn't leave their room. Uh, and they got bad ideas. And I just think that Anytime we have a passage where children have access to the world and we can't control it as parents, it's extremely frightening. With this, I think that people go like, whoa, you know, (laughs) video games aren't literature, you know, and I I just think a video game is another form of another art form. Uh, And so I think these are just another way to play Another art form. I don't think we should fret about it. There is a, a concern some people have expressed that too much virtual play isolates kids from some of the lessons of operating in the physical world. That knocking over blocks in Angry Bird is not the same experience as knocking over your own block tower that you're trying to build to the ceiling. You know, you're not learning those spatial lessons about how the world works. Well, I don't, I don't know that there's any law that says if you play with block, virtual blocks, you can't play with physical blocks. I, I just think it's, it's more, you know, that you have more ways to play. I think it's wonderful that children have all these choices. I wish we had had all. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Miranda Schaefer. Richard, how have toys changed since you were a child? Um... You, that's a subtle question asking you your age, if you don't mind. <laughs> well, you know, we played with the stick. Yeah. No, it, I, I think that, um, first of all, toys toys were metal and they rusted. I, I remember that. Uh, vaguely. Uh, and uh, you had to oil them. In uh, uh, that, though plastic was present, it, it wasn't as present. It was considered kind of cheap at the time. And um, I think there was a lot more free play. We would just go outside in the morning and we'd come home for lunch and then go out again. And nobody really knew where we were, what we were doing. The biggest difference between them when I was a kid was is not the technology and it's not the different ways to play. It's that we were left alone. And today children are hovered over and in addition, uh, we went from nobody really caring about play to now adults thinking play's a waste of time. Yeah, it's not necessarily what you buy, but letting a child or encouraging a child to experience the world and also be inventive and fill in the blanks, not always give them the rules. Personally, I, I feel that free play is the uh, heart and soul of a free society. Because um, if you and your friends go out and you decide to play ball, you've you got to be just like Congress. You have to make laws and rules. You know, what's in bounds, what's out of bounds. The tree's first base, that rock is second base. Uh, and then, you know, you have to enforce the rules. You know, you're out. Uh, and then you have to, to adjudicate. Was he out or wasn't he out? So I, I think it's a very healthy thing from kind of a democratic standpoint. And then, and then I think it's really good for you psychologically and socialization. I mean, you learn so much stuff on the playground in terms of how to get along with other people. I think it also goes to solutions. And, and so I'd like to ask you a little bit more about that in terms of, of the way that we change our attitudes towards play or, or even buying stuff uh, for the holidays. I, I think parents, you, you, you're going to have to let your kids go. And and I can tell you that when I was a kid, I'm sure we lost a few along the way. Uh, but <laughs> most of us are here and nobody's got a hook or a patch. Somehow we all made it through childhood. And and your kids will too. And, and if you leave them alone, they'll become more creative. They'll become far braver. 
they'll learn how to how to calculate risk. You, you know, Richard, we did a podcast with Lenora Skenazy, who's the head of this free range kids movement. And I think one of the things that she really stresses, as you are, is being willing to let your kids take risk. So your advice is just stand back, let them take chances. I hate to say this, but if your child is spending a lot of time online or playing a game, it's maybe because you can't follow them in there. Hmm. It's the only way they can get away from you. Richard, when we started this program, I I think a lot of people probably thought that we were going to give folks a gift buying guide. So let me ask you, are there are there some yeah, are there some toys out there that uh, are exciting you this year? Uh first of all, um I'd like to say to the grandparents out there, uh do not buy a child what they want. Let their parents do that. Uh you should buy them something that you're passionate about. Uh, if you were a stamp collector or a coin collector or you love toy rockets and even they might not appreciate it in the moment they will remember you and if everything goes right you may create a passion that you can share and then as far as parents are concerned um, well I, I think this Star Wars movie is a highly significant movie and, and Star Wars needs no help from me but I would say in 19, what was it, 78, when the movie came out originally? Seven, I think. 77, I think. Jim, Jim's a film buff. <laughs> Come forward now, and those kids are probably late 30s now. And they're going to go see Star Wars, and this Star Wars is going to have the original cast plus a new cast. And it's going to be an extraordinary opportunity for, it's a, it's a nexus moment, where these kids are going to be able to bring their children to see it, and really find a way to connect and relate about something they were passionate about. Um, and I think it's going to be a tremendous opportunity for, for particularly uh, adults and kids, uh, probably more males, because I think males were more into it, but not by a lot. Well, I, I would disagree with that, actually. <laughs> okay, so it's, so it's not a male thing. It's not a male thing. Now, I said just a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more. So I think it's really neat. And then when you get past that, uh, I think there's some, again, there's some interesting. To, I, I I like this product, Hello Barbie. Uh, I don't know if you, it was, there was a cover story on New York Times Magazine about Hello Barbie, which is a, is a robotic, empathic Barbie. What do you mean? How does that work? You'd be talking to Barbie and you'll say that uh, you got a cousin Judy who you don't like so much. And, and Barbie will talk to you about it. And then two weeks later, Barbie will say, uh, how's it going with your cousin Judy? Hmm. So, so, so the, the robotic Barbie will remember. It, it's a little more, I think, than robotic. I think it's next stage. I think it's important. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Six psychologists gave eight reasons why this was a bad idea. Uh, you know, that children would uh, not make up their own imaginary friends, uh, that they would not be a creative, uh, they wouldn't share with real people their emotions. And, and I'm thinking what, what the New York Times article missed. These children are going to live as adults in a world where they're going to have to interact with robots, emotive robots. And they are preparing. That's what toys do. They prepare you for the future. 
I still don't entirely understand what your theory of play is. Is it pro-technology, pro-risk? Is it play should have an element of education or preparing you for the world? Or is it just play should just be fun? I, I don't really understand what the theory is. I didn't ever say I had a theory. Okay. I mean, really, I, I, I think that play is amorphous. Um, I mean, what, what do you, you know, is a drone, I just wrote an article about this. Is a drone a toy? Is it a piece of military equipment? Is it a hobby? You know? And, and I think that we, we um, have this need to put things in, a, in kind of a box. And, and I think that it's constantly changing. I think play, you know, the, the bottom line is you, you got to give them something that uh, really makes them excited. Uh, that they want to they want to engage with it. I guess my philosophy is don't be afraid. And I think there's just too much fear. Let children engage in play however they want to engage in it and, and try not to judge it. Because you scratch an architect or a construction worker, you'll probably find a Lego kid under there. So, uh, so I guess that's my philosophy play is extremely important in shaping your child and in shaping the future. That's a great way to end. Richard Gottlieb, a toy industry consultant of Global Toy Experts, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. I enjoyed it. That was a great wrap-up. That was great. Okay, ready to... Yeah, ready. Okay. Go so, so sorry, Richard... Sorry. So, Richard, the future of play. I, th- I thought this was really interesting. Not as much, not as solution-oriented as a lot of our shows because, I mean, he doesn't really see that there's a problem. And that in itself is kind of a revelation because so many people are worried about the state of children's play today. Yeah, I want to ask you, what did you learn from this? Because going in, I know that you're really concerned that today's toys often are more programmed and perhaps tell a child how to play than the, the, the blocks and yeah. the construction sets of when we were kids. Well, I'm still concerned about that because I do think that playing physically in the world with your body is really important. Mm-hmm. But Richard then but introduced he, but, this whole element about virtual play. Yes. And also, I mean, I think his point is if it's important to them, if they're getting value out of it, don't be so quick to judge. And I, and I actually feel like, yeah, maybe we should all back off a little bit. And the world is changing. Our kids are learning different sets of skills maybe we do need to loosen up a little bit. And, and, and speaking as a humbled parent, and my theories of parenting have changed so much over the years. My kids now are in their late 20s. I was always amazed by the stuff that they learned and the perspectives they gained that had nothing whatsoever to do with what either myself or my wife or immediate family members well, have been talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, okay, a story from my life. Uh, my oldest son is very intense. Um... He really dove deep into Halo, which was one of the iconic kind of sci-fi video games of of that era. And we were really concerned about it because, you know, it was taking time away from other things. Then I turned around, and he wasn't really playing the game anymore. He was modding it. There was a whole culture online of people taking bits of code, changing around everything in the game. They would change the performance of the vehicles. They would change how things looked. They would come up with crazy new play scenarios. Then they would share these with other people online. Well, he's an engineer today. (laughs) And the idea that you could take a a ready-made, pre-programmed game with a pretty set storyline 
and completely change it yourself by patching in bits of computer code was crazy and really a revelation to me. Jim, I want to talk about my daughter, Kate, because I'm, I'm really proud of her and the story of how a broken wrist may have led to a career. She was always a climber, and we were lucky enough to have a, a wooden swing set in our backyard. And she climbed, and she swung, and she broke her wrist. And I think that getting back on the swing set was, was important to her. And now, years later, she's just opened a yoga studio. And that physical expression of her body has always been really important to her. And I think that it came originally out of how she played. Yeah. And I think Richard's core point that the centrality of play and that free play is part of a free society. I love that that idea. Very liberating advice. One final thing that we didn't get to, but in my previous conversations with Richard Gottlieb, he said... Toy shoppers should remember something very simple and have this voice in their ear. There's a real difference between a legacy toy and a landfill toy. A landfill toy is something that maybe a kid really wants and is excited, opens the wrapper, plays with for a couple days and throws away. But a legacy toy is something that they go back to and play at again and again and learn from. And And, and sometimes you don't know. I mean, I can remember my childhood, a toy that I really, really wanted, a little car thing, little dashboard with a steering wheel I thought was awesome. I played with it for about 20 minutes. So before we go, I want to put in one plug. We didn't get a chance to ask Richard about it. For anybody who wants to introduce their kids to the intersection of electronics and engineering, there's this great product called Little Bits. Just look it up online. Imagine little Lego pieces, but each one is an electronic component. It could be a power supply. It could be a a, a voltage regulator. It could be a little speaker, a little motor. They're very easy to snap together, and kids can build all kinds of things with them. They're very inclusive. They're getting girls excited about engineering. And kids as young as 9 or 10 can actually snap these little things together, no no soldering or tools required, and make little machines, even leading up to, to very simple little robots. So it can really expose kids to the, the kind of wonders of engineering. They're as easy to snap together as a set of Legos. Little bit. Sounds great. And also ignore those top ten lists. They're nearly always promoted by the toy companies and marketers. Uh, when you do your research, ask your friends, ask your family, and, and ask your kids. Kids are very into Minecraft these days. Which is an obvious choice, but worth mentioning. Yeah. Okay, this is How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies, our producer, Miranda Schaefer. And our engineer is Denise Barbarata. Our engineer is Denise. Let me slow it down. Our engineer is Denise Barbarita here at Monolith. Barbarita. Barbarita. Our engineer is Denise Barbarita here at Mona Lisa Studios in beautiful uptown Manhattan. And the show is produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for nonprofits and companies. Thanks. For- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us 